We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on? Not much. Uh, we were just talking about this off the air, but post-masters lull. It's not. It's not a hangover, really. It's just kind of a. It's just nothing. It's just a void. Um, ba- <laughs> I was looking at the schedules the other day. O- Oklahoma State's baseball season is almost over, which is bizarre. <laughs> There's like three or four weeks left. Uh, but yeah, I, I made plans yesterday to come up for the NCAA championships at Carson Creek. So that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, just kind of a weird time in the sports year. We got NFL draft next week, but we do have a lot to talk about on the Oklahoma State front. We do. Uh, how about uh, Mike Boynton landing the Boone Twins? That was uh, unexpected, I would say. I mean, I know he was on hot on their trail and was probably the favorite to land them, but I was kind of surprised they committed that early. But uh, huge gets for Mike Boynton, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they they are big. I I think that. It's it's hard because I think because they're from Oklahoma, it feels like a bigger deal than maybe it is nationally. Now, they are just juniors, and, and Kyle Boone kind of pointed out that these are a couple of guys whose profile might blow up this summer. They might be top 100, 150 guys after this summer when you know guys go out and play AU and, and all that kind of uh, stuff. So uh, I, I think it's – honestly, Carson, I, I think it's big just for momentum. You know, they, they get the uh, the – the big guy Contrivious, I think is how you say his name on Sunday. Then they get the Boone twins on Monday and you're like, okay, like that, that's some real momentum uh, moving forward. So I, to me, it's, it's, it's a big deal because he's getting all of a sudden a couple of the better players in the state of Oklahoma to commit to his program. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And look, Oklahoma's produced quality college basketball players for a long time. You can go, all down all the years there's there's usually one or two guys that can play at the big 12 level and i think it's important to to land the top guys in the state and he obviously is doing that right now and i think bryce thompson i think is even probably more high profile recruit for the 2020 class so no it was was encouraging I, i think the boone twins kyle i don't i don't watch them a ton but i've asked around about them and just from what i gather is they have a chance to be like really really good players for like four years in the big 12 now about their their NBA potential who knows but I think they have the potential to be really really good college basketball players which I think is kind of where it's you're better off nowadays getting those guys that can stay for three or four years rather than the guys that leave after one or two Uh, obviously you prefer to have guys that are good enough to do that I'm just saying as far as as far as stability goes uh, it's huge and I'm higher on the Boone Twins, I think, than most. I think um, they have a lot of potential for, for me. So I think that was that was big. And and look, you and I kept talking, like, when's he going to land somebody? Uh, we keep hearing he's recruiting a bunch, but we haven't really landed anybody. So th- there you go. They're, the Boone Twins are, are huge gets. And I think they're going to do their best to recruit the Bryce Thompson kid. I think that's also key. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I did have – we kind of made a little bit of a set list today. I had an over-under to go with this topic. My over-under for you when it comes to Mike Boynton and and recruiting, and this will lead into what we're going to talk about next, is over or under one and a half five-star players before the end of next year. So not the end of 2018, but the end of 2019. One and a half was the number? One and a half. Five-star guys. Uh, I'm going to go under. I mean, how many are they even in on? Uh, apparently a lot of them. I mean, it, it, 
Kyle Gordon. Oh yeah, like, the the in home visits. Yeah, I feel like every other day he, he posts something about a you know potential five star that that Boynton's trying to land. So I, I feel like I feel like one and a half is a good number for the next eighteen months. I'm gonna go under. Uh, okay. Um, he's he's dipped his toe in the five star waters, but uh, doesn't feel like they're really in on any of those guys, right? I mean, I know um, he's trying to land Courtney Ramey. Courtney Ramey's not a five star, is he? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sure seems like it is as as desperately as as OSU wants him and how big of a, a get he would be. But uh, I'm gonna go under that. That seems high to me. Yeah, Two I'll go five stars. I'll I'll go under two. It, it's 18 months though. It's not like if I would have said, I feel like it'd be ridiculous if I would have said for the next, uh, you know, before the end of 2018. But over the next 18 months, that's a lot of time. Has OSU landed more than like one ever? Yeah, Two? Marcus Two? Marcus Smart was a five star. Um, they landed like five in that one class that we talked about last week. <laughs> they landed like one, like Gerald Green, and maybe Brumball was too, but he was a JUCO, so that didn't really count. They've certainly they've certainly gotten they've certainly had at least committed a lot more five stars in basketball than they ever have in uh, in football. Oh, well, that's no debate. <laughs> Gundy doesn't even take meetings of five stars. They have to, like, <laughs> he doesn't even, he gives them a, his voicemail. That's yeah, about it. Yeah, he's like, ah, I, I'm good. I got some got some hunting to do. Yeah. Uh, okay, Courtney Ramey. Are, are, how, how tired are you of Courtney Ramey news, or can you just not get enough of it? I'm not as tired as you, I don't think, or, or Boone, who has to track him down and track his whereabouts. Um, I don't know. His recruitment's kind of odd. You don't really get a sense of where he's at. I think with most recruits, you can kind of tell who their number one and number two schools are, right? And with him, it, it just seems like he's kind of all over the map. I don't know if that means he's just indecisive or hasn't quite narrowed it down yet. But um, I wanted to say just a few weeks ago, she was in a great spot, but now he's taking all these other visits, and you don't hear much about him in OSU. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know where he stands with Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't either. I, I will say, I think if Oklahoma State gets him, they might they might be pesky next year. They might be pretty good. Like I I think they're going to be all right regardless. Um, with apparently you know Michael Weathers playing the role of uh, I I don't I don't even know like the, Michael the next, Magic Johnson Weathers. Yeah, the next the next great point guard at Oklahoma State, but. Uh, yeah, I think they don't you don't doesn't it feel like if they land him that they could be pretty pretty good in the Big Twelve next year? Yeah, I mean, let's go down the roster. Who else they have? They have because I need my memory refreshed. So many guys have left. So you got Weathers at point. You have Curtis Jones probably at the two. Well, he's not. Yeah, he's not eligible until. Oh, he's uh, not eligible until second semester. Yeah. So Lindy Waters at the two. <laughs> yeah. You got uh, Cam, uh, Cam you got McGriff. McGriff three. at the at the three or four. Uh, Lucas yeah, Gasson at the center. No. They, they might they might not be good. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, we're getting I guess pretty thin already here, aren't we? I guess my point is, if they land Ramey, let's say they get Ramey, you bring in you just just give him give him the point guard spot. I don't know if he'll be good. His his tape looks awesome. I've watched that one out a rabbit hole the other day. He looks phenomenal. I know it's high school, but he looks good. So 
and there was another four-star point guard that came in a couple years ago. It was pretty good as a freshman, Jawan Evans. But uh, so Ramey at point, you can move Weathers to the two, and then all of a sudden, uh, I guess you'd still have Cam at the three. I don't know. I don't know what you would do there. That that would be. Uh, they need some big guys. I think Kyle, Kyle Boone's written about this. That the, the issue I don't think is necessarily going to be point guards, but or excuse me, guards. Uh, but it's going to be big guys because who? I mean, who's who's your big guys right now? Gasson, um, the the Contravious guy that they just recruit or that they just uh, got committed, and then who else? Well, they don't need just big guys, Kyle. They need bodies. Here, I'm looking at the roster from last year. Here are the guys who are back: Thomas Dezagua, Cam McGriff, Lucas Gasson, Lindy Waters, Michael Weathers. Trey Reeves, but that's it. That's it. Like they, like I know we're all wrapped up with you know Courtney Ramey, and rightfully so. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a really good point guard and and something that could really, you know, change the trajectory of the program. That's how good I think the guy is. But and we're worried about the Boons and the Bryce Thompsons in 2020. Like who's playing next year? Like who who are they going to get that's going to step on the floor from day one next year? Because they right now they don't have any bodies like at all. Well, uh, and you, you mentioned Contravious, but I mean we're we're having trouble filling out a, a starting lineup here, let alone a, a eight or nine deep. You've also got the transfer market, which you know this time last year was Kendall Smith even. Was he even on the roster? Was he committed? Was he coming to Oklahoma State? I, I, I don't remember when that was. But think about what a key role he played in Oklahoma State season and how this time of year ago, I don't even think he was in uniform. I mean, he wasn't even we, – we didn't even know about him, you know? So I, I, I do think there's something to be said on that front. Uh, he committed uh, April 21st, so two days – uh, it's all, we're almost the year anniversary. So April 21st yeah. of last year is when he committed. And obviously, so this, yeah, he, he was a huge deal. He, he obviously was incredible, but he needs more than just one of those, right? He needs two or three or four for next year. Well, but, and, but I mean, that's the other thing they've got, they've got all these spots. Like he, you can get two or three or four. You, you can, you can get two transfers if you want. You can, you know, you yeah, can, and, and, and here's still have room con- for, for Ramey. Yeah, but here's my concern. You know, we, we see like every single day, like the, the Corey Evans is the world on Twitter and the guys that cover college basketball recruiting saying, so-and-so is transferring. He has heard from X, Y, Z, and Oklahoma State. Like almost every single guy that's transferring has heard from Oklahoma State. So is it? A, are we reaching a point where Boynton is just trying to get – somebody in get bodies in regardless of fit regardless of their skill set that's my concern is is it going to turn into like a travis ford situation where the pieces don't really fit together he was just trying to add pieces that that would be my main concern moving forward he's trying to land three or four guys and it's obvious he's casting a very wide net to where it, it doesn't seem like there's any real preference you know what i mean that's a good point that that was one of my big criticisms of Ford was that it felt like he was always trying to win the national championship in one year and, and never try to build anything. And it was the um, opposite of Gundy, right? He would just go after the star rankings yeah. and not really necessarily fit. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay. By the way, I just looked up all the five stars in Oklahoma state's basketball history. So this is since, 2000 you've got uh can i guess is, can i guess how many there are total 
Yeah. So we got Gerald Green, Brumbaugh, yeah. Smart. I'm going yeah. three. They had seven. What? What, Brian? Oh, yeah. I guess he was five stars. Eton. Hmm. Obi. Obi Manello was a five star? And James Anderson. Uh, I didn't know James was five. I thought he was four. I'm going to give you the rest of the top 20 just because it's fun to mention these old names. Uh, Roderick Flemings is, or excuse me, Juwan Evans is eight, so he was the best of the four stars. Um, I wonder what Ramey would be compared to him. I can't believe Juwan Evans wasn't a five star. That seems wrong. <laughs> I know, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay, so you got Juwan Evans, then you got Roderick Fleming's Ray, Raymond Penn, Ray Penn, uh, Michael Cobbins, Michael Chamberlain Cobbins, number eleven. Michael Chamberlain Cobbins, <laughs> that just uh, derailed Travis Ford's era. <laughs> his injury. Karan Johnson, twelve. Uh, Stevie Clark, thirteen. Kenneth Cooper, Joe Burton, Martavius Adams, Terrell Harris, James on Curry, Roger Franklin, Jared Shaw, and then Mitch Solomon, number twenty-one. Well, James on Curry transferred from North Carolina, but but yeah. Uh, yes, Solomon did. was actually highly rated, and he actually he really developed there the last couple of years. But uh, no, those are some old names from the past. Nick Sidorkas. A lot of names I forgot about. <laughs> Nick Sidorkas, number 26, one spot ahead of Markel Brown. That seems like they need to <laughs> they need to go back to the rankings like Remember, like Chad Ford got in trouble for changing his <laughs> rankings, and after the fact, whoever made those needs to go back in time and change that. Uh, okay, uh, what else we got here? You want you want to move over to uh, to football? We got some football things to talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy you called it a set list, as if we're playing a concert. By the way, let's go down the set. List. <laughs> uh, Taylor, Ta- let's just call him the oil baron. I, I can't ever say his name. It's unbelievable. This Cornelius? Is, this is what I do. I can't say the two words together. Taylor Cornelius? It's, well, neither it's, can Mike Gundy. He calls him Cornelson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was named the starter on Wednesday. Not not really breaking news. It wasn't even a headline on our site because it's not uh, surprising to anyone. But... Do you have any thoughts on it? And I'm going to give you an over under of Taylor of the oil Baron starting two and a half games in 2018. Oh, way under. He might be third string come first game of the year. And what does that even mean? So he's starting over who? Uh, Keandre Woodty and John Kohler. Is that right? That's the yeah. only. And, and some, and some uh, walk-ons. Yeah, so I I think that's I agree with you guys. It's not all that surprising, and um, but no, I think that I think the starter's not there yet. Whether that's Spencer Sanders or the guy from Hawaii, I think uh, one of those two guys will be the guy. And it is funny though, people. There's a lot of people that are firmly in the Will Barron's corner. You know, I was at the uh, Thunder game last night, and Michael Doty, friend of the podcast, he's gone on the reload with with Kyle Boone. He was he was high on the Oil Baron. He was like, yeah, he's got a lot of got a lot of clint shelf in him i was like does he does he have a lot of clint shelf in him like i know he's come in as a backup and and played okay and lit it up against you know in garbage time but um i don't know if you can compare him to clint shelf as far as just the type of quarterbacks they are so yeah i don't know it seems it it does seem like kind of low-hanging fruit it seems like an easy comparison 
Right. I will say. I will say. What, up and all that. What was the game where he uh, he came? Was it Baylor when he came in and ran for like a sixty-yard touchdown? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Baylor was lousy last year, but at the same time, it was like, whoa, it's kind of kind of fast like he's kind of i mean well he, he he gained ground like he didn't lose ground to like the secondary like yeah he outran them <laughs> yeah startling like he's six six I, I i don't think that he's going to be like beating spencer sanders in a race anytime soon but it was still uh still pretty impressive so we're gonna they're gonna run the uh the oil baron uh cat i'm trying to come up with a name the uh, the, <laughs> the, the oil the, cat the, the washing machine. The oil cat. <laughs> the oil cat. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, the oil cat. Oh, the oil cat. Okay, put on some weight if he's going to be doing that. <laughs> Mike Gundy commented on two uh, separate things on Wednesday at practice, and uh, the first of which is Oklahoma State getting a jumbotron this fall. Uh, are you surprised or not surprised by this development? I'm surprised it's taken this long. I mean, the the two video boards they have are just so inadequate, so small, not good. Um, the the fans that go to games, I feel bad. They don't really know what's going on about half the time. The replays aren't great, and just the video board itself is not big enough. So I've always wondered why they didn't just have one massive one covering Gallagher Iba, which I guess is kind of what the plans are. I know that that Photoshop has made the rounds on on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure what parts can't be covered up as far as like the suites or whatever that are in Gallagher Iba that overlook the field, but um, just make the all that whole side of Gallagher Iba just one giant video screen. So that sounds like what they want to do. So it's it's long overdue for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I wrote this today. It, it was it was probably always going to happen just because you can't really not have it as a if if you're if you're taking yourself seriously as a football program but i think it's kind of cool that it's happening this off season and and my reasoning for that is that i i don't i don't know about you carson it doesn't feel like there's a ton of momentum for Oklahoma state football right now like it's sort of like like think about this time last year you know uh rudolph and washington coming back you're like oh okay like we're, there's just so much to talk about like we're fired up in april may june whenever and right now it's like, well, uh, is Spencer Sanders going to be the starting quarterback? And then what are your other like things that you're excited about? What are what are what else are you getting fired up about in April and May? I, I Tyron. Mean, I, well, y- you are Tyron Johnson and Dak. Uh, I almost called him Dax Hill. That's going to be confusing. <laughs> uh, Justice Hill. <laughs> yeah, no Heisman, I, I, Heisman campaign. But don't you don't don't you agree that there's less momentum this year than there has been in the last two or three? Well, I just think there's some years are are bigger than others. Like last year was kind of the perfect storm with with Rudolph and Washington and the team they had coming back. I think this is very similar to you know 2012, the year after the 2011 season. So I just think you know the program ebbs and flows with you know uh, underclassmen having to having to step up and play when the guys graduate and go to the NFL. So I, I think it's just I think it's more of a case of that and a case of it being you know April 19th. And we're not just because let's face it, when it's August 19th, Kyle, you and I are going to be way more fired up. And I think the, the program as a whole will be, too. Like, it'll be this it'll be the Spencer Sanders era, baby. You know, true freshman going to lead him to lead him to the national title and all that. So I, I think you're, it's just a case of what what month it is. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. But 
I guess my point is I, I think it's cool that they've added uh, something like a Jumbotron, which is a big deal in an off season where that has not been as full of excitement as other off seasons in recent memory. Now, I don't know if that money came from the athletic department. I don't know if it came from a, I don't know. I don't know where that money came from, but clearly somebody is bought in on the long-term vision that Mike Gundy has for the Oklahoma state football program. And I think that's the evidence of that is doing this kind of work in an off season where you're not predicted. I mean, it would have been, it would have been easy to envision this last year, right? You're just Oklahoma state's going to win the big 12. They might win the national championship. Let's get a jumbotron. And now this year you're like, well, they might be okay. I, I don't know, but they still get the jumbotron. I, I think that's a sign of a stable program that has a long-term vision. Yeah. And it goes back to kind of what Gundy, you know, ended the season on. Remember he said that, you know, there's a lot of support in the program right now. We're going to get a jumbotron, and there, there you have it. So it's been kind of the spring of Mike Holder, right? Getting everything done, crossing all the T's. Yeah. Um, my first thought, though, when I saw the picture, the Photoshop, could OSU, like when the other team's kicking a field goal, like run like the the hypnosis spiral in the jumbotron, or you know, something to distract the kicker? <laughs> it is, is that weird. frowned upon, like the the. Sp- and they, yeah, it probably is. They don't have a very good spot for it, like at all, just because of the way that Gallagher Iba is structured next to Boom Pickens Stadium. And I guess you sort of, and, and Adam Lunt just mentioned this in our in our Slack chat. I, I think that's where it's going to go. I think the Ocali like confirmed it or something. But regardless, wherever they put it, uh, if it does end up going right behind that goalpost, it's isn't, isn't that just like a weird spot? Because you're like covering up this like the the building on campus that's probably the most famous Gallagher Iba, and it's just I don't know the whole thing is just kind of odd. And it's directly like the way it's structured currently with the the, the mock-ups or whatever. It's directly in like the sight of a kicker looking yeah. at the. Looking at the goalpost now, I know they look down at the ball to kick it, but like, I don't know. It just it seems it seems weird. Like especially like if you're running to the end zone as a football player, <laughs> that screen's like almost in your eye line. You could like almost see who's running behind you without even have to look up. It's just it's you're right. There's no good place for it because you put it on top of Gallagher Eye, but then like the wind becomes <laughs> a factor, and just the fact it's it's really high up there. Yeah, you know? so. yeah, totally. Uh, by the way, do you think they'll move the 1945 national championship sign to like above the scoreboard now? Like, really display it prominently for everyone to see. This is their chance to like write that wrong and get rid of it. <laughs> just cover it up with the jumbotron. Just, just like get rid of it and like pretend like nothing ever happened. They get asked for like, "What? We don't know what you're talking about." Like Chad Ford's old mock drafts. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. It's time for the Coop Works Toast of the Week. Coop Works bring great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, Carson, I've got my toast ready if, if you want me to go first. Go for it. Okay, I'm going to toast a... Uh, let's go with a Vader, because he climbed the Vader a lot in his career at Oklahoma state and in Dallas, Des Bryant, uh, you know, he gets, he gets released by the Cowboys. We don't know where he's going to land le- next. We're going to talk about that in a second, but, 
and we've toasted him, I think, on this before, but just what a what a cool career coming from where he did, having success at Oklahoma State. He was kind of in that golden era of Gundy recruiting, which was not really that magnificent, but Gundy landed a lot of guys at that time. Rashetti Jones, Dez, all these all these kind of superstar high school guys. Uh, and then obviously went on to have a ton of success with the Cowboys and will go down as one of their best receivers ever. And uh, it stinks that he got cut. I understand it. I don't think it was necessarily a bad move for Dallas, but uh, toast of Vader to uh, Dez for a, an extended Cowboys career. What was it, like to 11 years that he was a Cowboy, Oklahoma State and Dallas? So best of luck to him wherever he ends up next. Yeah, no, great. He had a great run in Dallas. He's going to be in the Ring of Honor. Um, his number will be kind of retired with along with Irving's and Drew Pearson. Uh, he'll be one of the famous 88s. And look, it never ends great, right? Thurman Thomas with the Bills ended bitterly, and he went to Miami for a year. They're arch rival. Sometimes it just it doesn't end it doesn't end well. But um, I think this is the best thing that ever, that could ever happen to Des. I think. I remember when he was coming into the draft, I didn't I didn't want him to go to Dallas because all that was going to do was keep him in his little bubble down there with all the hangers on, and it, I think there was a, a lot of potential for him to be distracted. Now he's going to be super motivated. He's going to be completely out of his, his bubble and to where you would think all he would focus on would be football for the next few months. Uh, so this might end up being the you know the kick in the pants that he needs. But uh, no, he's, he's had an unbelievable career thus far. And really, I mean... Well, you got a couple Hall of Famers. You got Barry and Thurman, but like he's he's had one of the better NFL careers of any former OSU Cowboy. So yeah, uh, well deserved cheers. Yeah, totally. Uh, is that who you're cheersing as well? No, 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 no. I got a uh, different okay. one. Okay, I'm gonna crack open a briefcase brown hashtag Let's work for Mike Boynton riling up Sooner Nation with his eyeball emojis. I thought <laughs> he. <laughs> You know, he, he tweeted out that it's happening with the eyeball emojis for people who don't know, and a couple of you fans got on him saying that's Lincoln Riley's deal and your little brother and get your own thing, and he, he just wrote back LOL. And then uh, the next day he posts like a screen capture of him using the eyeball emojis like a year ago, like last fall, and was like, sorry if the owner of this emoji <laughs> doesn't like it or whatever. So he, he's shown a great uh, sense of humor with his Twitter account. Obviously, I think he's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail, getting the Boone twins, and uh, we'll see what he can what he can put together this year because he's he still has a lot of work to do as far as his roster, which we talked about earlier. But uh, Mike Boynton continues to be super likable, and, and he just gets it. Yeah, the the eyeball emoji was was hilarious. Uh, you know, I I wrote this. I, I think he strikes a, a a good balance between serious and fun and you know, tough and kind. Like he, he just, I don't know. He's a, he's a dynamic personality and that's what you need if you want, um, to, to be, you know, a successful coach in, in college basketball. Yeah. I thought your article was great where you summed up kind of the, the dual personality in that, like he's tough, but funny, fun, loving, kind, but tough. All that stuff was great. I think everyone should go read that. It was, I thought you summed him up pretty well. So it, I'm looking forward, like, I'm looking forward to next year, Kyle. Like, I, I almost, to your point that you kind of said that there's not much momentum right now with football, like, aren't you kind of almost more fired up for basketball next year than football? The more yeah. I'm talking about it, I think the more I'm think, leaning that way. 
Yeah, and some of that is uh, just, I don't know. Like, some of that is expectations, right? It's like, well, is a, you know, we, we kind of know what Mike Gundy is. We know what Oklahoma State is under Mike Gundy. We don't know what Oklahoma State basketball is going to be under Mike Boynton. And so you, you have sort of these um, – you, you, you don't – like hoping for what is to come is way more fun than kind of knowing what you're going to get. And I think that's sort of where we're at with Oklahoma State football and basketball right now. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, okay, we got a couple other things um, to talk about. Let's go to – okay, Mike Gundy made a video for – for Bob Stoops over the weekend for his retirement, uh, whatever that was, going away party or I don't know. It was kind of statue unveiling. Was there a statue? I didn't even see it. Yeah, they unveiled a stoop statue. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um Mike Gundy went shirtless in a video. And so <laughs> I think neither of us are surprised, but my question for you, I've got an over under on that. Over under on uh, Mike Gundy shirtless pictures or videos from right now today, April 18th, April 19th until the end of the calendar year, one and a half. <sighs> over, right? I'm going over. Uh, he's already on pace. I mean, especially when you get into like summer ball when it's a hundred degrees outside, like what's going to stop Gundy from just taking his shirt off at practice? Not much. I mean, he, he does it in formal settings now. So, yeah, I'm gonna go over. He might he might coach a game shirtless. <laughs> is that a is that a penalty? Is that a, <laughs> the refs throw a flag on that? It, I mean, it all to me it all goes back to the Central Michigan game, right? Yes. Remember, he <laughs> said he was gonna take his shirt off and lay on midfield, and we were all kind of like, "What? You were gonna take your shirt off? That doesn't make any sense." Well, he's been just dying to take his shirt off. And he's he's looked for a reason. He thought Central Michigan was it. <laughs> then it was like, oh, it's homecoming. I can do- totally do this now. And then he wanted to say like, congrats to Bob Stoops, and decided to take his shirt off. So yeah. like, what at what situation is he going to think it's not okay to take his shirt off? <laughs> uh, okay, we got a couple more things, uh, but let's do. Um... And, and I know I know Mike's like in shape for like a fifty year old, but. It's not like he's shredded. Like, wh- why is he so obsessed with it? Uh, sorry, I'm. I can't get this out of my mind. <laughs> I think he. What, what was it you said? He looks in the mirror and sees uh, Cliff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks in the mirror and sees Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. So that that down, down makes, to the down to the washboard abs and everything. Yeah, that makes sense, right? Like you, like that answers the question that you just asked. And he still wears a gold chain. So yeah, I'm, I'm answering my own questions. Yeah. yeah still rocks are. the gold chain. Okay. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, you have a, you have a uni note for us. Let's hear it. Well, I noticed Contravius was wearing the, uh, the teal, teal basketball jersey but that's not really my that's not really my uniform review it just it's it's amazing how many how much the recruits like the 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 teal basketball uniform seems like every time they take recruiting trips they take a picture in that but uh 
I did see that Ricky Fowler was voted best dressed at the Masters, and they the picture I saw posted was all four rounds. And I gotta say, Ricky Fowler's classing it up these days, Kyle. Long gone are the uh, the just loud polos with all sorts of funky designs on them. He he's he's dressing much more simpler and cleaner. So I want to review the Ricky was the best dressed at the Masters. That's hard to do. There's a lot of a lot of good looking golf attire out there. Yeah. Was he, was he the best dressed? That was according to... Yeah, it was according to Golf Digest. I saw it. Oh, but I, you don't agree? Yeah, I just... I, I'm not... In, I don't... I thought, he was, yeah. I thought he was pretty sharp. It was fine. I'm just out on his stuff, his 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 deal, his look. You're out on Puma? Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not out on Puma. I'm just out on some of the, the shirts. Like, the I, I don't understand these shirts that, like, him and Bubba Watson wear that you're like... Is this a is this like a geometric composition? Like, what am I looking at? You you know how it's got like squares and circles and lines, and you're like, what 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 is going on here? Is, well, that was my point. Is he's not wearing those anymore? Yeah, but he still does a lot. He might not have worn them at the Masters. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. His best dressed at the Masters. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> not I just, not the just, polo that that Matt Emilian bought in 2008 when he was first rocking Puma with all the crazy geometric <laughs> designs. I just whiffed on that entire conversation. By the way, speaking of uh, Oklahoma State golf, I'm coming up for uh, – oh, I mentioned this earlier. I'm coming up for the NCAAs. Are you going? I don't know. It depends on um, if the Thunder's still playing, although they might not be since they lost this last night. Uh, it, I assume I will, but I don't know for sure yet. Big, big uh, opportunity for Oklahoma State. They just well, they just lost a, a tournament. Before that, they'd won seven in a row. Number one team in the country. They'll be favored to win it all on their home course. And like we talked about, that went that went poorly last time. That was the case. Um, hopefully, it goes better this time. Patrick Reed not walking through that door. That's true. That's true. Okay, uh, Carson. I want to talk about football recruiting and the money that goes with it. Uh, but first, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Uh, I wrote an article on Wednesday about how Oklahoma State uh, is spending less than pretty much every other school in the Big 12 on men's sports recruiting and football in particular. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to look at that, but it, the, the numbers are staggering. I, I, I pulled them from the U.S. Department of Education, and, and the problem with the numbers is that they're not broken out by sport. I got, I got on Oklahoma State's website and looked at them broken down by sport, but I didn't go to every Big 12 site and look at them by sport. But if you just look at the overall men's uh, recruiting budgets for all men's sports. So basketball, football, baseball, tennis, whatever. Uh, Oklahoma State's the only school in the Big 12 that last year, so the fiscal year ending June or July 2017, 
They're the only school in the Big 12 that did not spend at least a million dollars on men's sports recruiting. And I'm just I'm curious to hear what you think about that, because I I find I find that idea fascinating. They came in at seven hundred and eight thousand. Every other school in the Big 12, Kansas State, West Virginia, Baylor, they were all over a million dollars in terms of how much money they spent on recruiting. That surprises me a great deal. I mean, we look at all the facilities that OSU's building and or have already built. Um, that's shocking, actually. I mean, you, know, you expect them to be below Oklahoma and Texas, sure, and maybe even uh, TCU, Texas Tech even. But to be below like Kansas State and Baylor and West Virginia – in Iowa State, that that in Kansas, <laughs> that that to me is shocking. I know Kansas, you know, their basketball program is a different, whole different animal. But uh, I guess the question is, why is that, and and where does the that budget come from? Is that just part of the operating budget, in which you and I have talked about so many times, where Holder really doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle room there between. Uh, the profit that they make and and revenue and all that. So I guess that, those would be my two main questions. Yeah, it, it is from their just overall athletic department budget. Um, I, I think my issue is I, I don't think that they generate the like I, I don't think they're last in the Big Twelve in terms of total athletic department revenue generated. I just think other schools spend more on recruiting. Like they just right. allocate more of their money toward recruiting expenses than Oklahoma State does. So Oklahoma State last fiscal year spent 354000 in recruiting. That was exactly half of their overall men's sports recruiting budget. Now, again, I, I couldn't – you can't tell how other schools are broken down, but if you just presume that 50% goes to football at all these other schools, the next lowest was West Virginia, whose overall recruiting budget for men's sports was $1.1 million, And – or one point, uh, what is that? One million, one, uh, one million ten thousand dollars, and they spent five hundred and five. I, I just presume that they spent five hundred and five thousand of that on football. So that's a hundred and fifty thousand more than Oklahoma State spent, and that's the next lowest. Well, again, I think this is where you know Mike Gundy is butted heads with Mike Holder, right? This is the type of stuff I think he wants and, and probably points to and saying, look how far behind we are on this. Uh, I think that's why he started flying around in choppers more. I think, <laughs> you know, I think this is a gripe that Gundy's probably had for a long time. So, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing they're able to recruit and win as much as they are being that much behind the eight ball. Now, maybe that's maybe that illustrates further why you know, we we're complaining about them not getting bigger recruits. Maybe they, maybe the budget has something to do with that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I believe that entirely, but it's definitely uh, something that, that Mike Gundy's probably been pointing at for a long time. Yeah, I know. And, and I just, I just feel like there's such an opportunity there. I mean, if you, if you want to, if you want to talk about like market inefficiencies and all these different things, the the greatest opportunity that you have as a school is to double your football recruiting budget, triple it, quadruple it. And you're still only spending, you know, if you triple it, you're still only spending just over a million dollars. That's not that much money for an athletic department that generated $92 million in, in revenue last fiscal year. I mean, that it's just, you can't convince me that that's not a worthwhile investment. And I think it's one that they need to make. And I think it's one that they know that they need to make to 
at least keep up, if not take the next step into becoming a, a top 10, 8, 5 program in football uh, in, in, in some years. Yeah, I mean, you want to, you want your program to be better, win more, more money, all all that goes hand in hand. So, I would agree with that. But um, I don't know that 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 really does surprise me, though. That that is that is shocking. Good on you for figuring that out. I mean, maybe uh, you can consult with Mike Holder to see what they're going to do to remedy this. Listen, Mike, I got some when you, ideas. Go have go have some coffee with him at Carson Creek when you're up there for the golf tournament. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he wants to know about all my ideas. Uh, okay, Carson, do you uh, you got anything we missed? Anything else you're looking forward to want to talk about? Uh, Brad Dalkey could be the new Patrick Reed. Could you imagine if Oklahoma goes up oh there and gosh. wins their second straight on Carson Creek? <laughs> I can see. I they're could part see of that it. golf documentary, aren't they? The one the, Ricky's making. Like, there's some OU appearances in there. The overhand fist pump from Dalkey, like like uh, or the over the head fist pump, like Patrick Reed does. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're defending national champs. I know OSU's won a bunch of tournaments in a row, or won seven of eight, or whatever it is. But uh, that the pressure's going to be on, man. And, and like I said, match play is just it's such a game changer. Like the number one seed has never won the match play. The team that's won the stroke play has never gone on to win the match play. It just it's a crapshoot. So that, that would make me nervous if I was a golfer at OSU. It's almost like if they you got to host the Final Four in Allen Fieldhouse and Kansas was in it. Like, think about how much pressure that like people would just but be instead, like, hey. but but instead of playing a basketball game, they held a three point shooting contest. Yeah, that's a good that's, point. That's kind of how random I think the results have been. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and so people would be like, "Oh, Kansas can't win at home in a three. I mean, it's terrible. It's a joke." But the reality, like you said, is that with match play, it's a lot more. There's there's just greater variance because there's because of the matchups because you you just don't know what you're. Getting. I mean, that's the thing. Well, like how if, often how often do they even play match play? These college kids. Oh, they, do they play do it, it the during su- the season. The, no, not during the season. They do it in the summers. They have team events and and different things like that. But yeah, it's. It, I mean, you know, it's somewhat unusual for for pros to do it. You've got the Ryder Cup, you got the Presidents Cup, so that's like once a year, maybe if you're one of the best players. I guess yeah, you have it's the, a totally it's a totally different style of golf. Like you yeah. play it completely different than you would stroke play. Yeah. So uh, just it, the whole the whole system. And again, I think it's great for TV. It's great for you and me. It's it's entertaining. That's what's uh, so but that's it's not necessarily the best indicator of best team. That's what's so fascinating to me about golf is that if you took every, like if you took uh the top 100 pros in the world and you said go play 10,000 holes of golf and you kept everybody's score the re- the results would be pretty similar to the world ranking. Like Dustin Johnson would probably win, Jordan Spieth would probably win or be second or or whatever, or Justin Tom. Like it would go, it would pretty much go by world ranking because the more chances you get, the more opportunities you have, the more the talent is going to rise to the top. And so, the more you shorten that, like if me and Jordan, me if me well if me and Sergio go play one hole, I might beat him on that hole. But you beat him on fifteen. But if we play a hundred holes, there is no chance I'm beating him. And so when you shorten these events, like you, you might play only 14 holes in match play. And so when you only have 14 holes to go on, 
you you really create a scenario in which the lesser team has a much better opportunity to win. And and that part of it's fascinating. It's great for TV. It stinks for Oklahoma State, who has had such great teams over the last few years. Yep, I would agree. Um. Okay. What did we miss? Uh, we got the NFL draft next week. Yeah. Uh, where do you want Mason to go? Like, if you could pick. Uh, I guess New England. I mean, fun. that's that's sort of a selfish pick because I know there'd be plenty of of content for us. Just oh, is he Brady's heir? Is Brady even coming back? You know, like all all these just. You know, there there'd be a ton of fodder, but it's also seemingly a pretty state. Well, I don't know if it's a stable organization anymore, but it has been, and I just I don't know. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. That would be cool. Be the heir apparent to Brady. Do you want to be the heir apparent to Brady though? Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the thing that would worry me more would be Belichick leaving with Brady, and then you're with Josh McDaniels, who flamed out pretty hard at, at Denver. Yeah, that would be that would be the main concern. Although he is a quarterback guy, so it would, I guess, be appealing to be playing under a guy that um, is a quarterback guru. I guess it's worked out for like. I guess a good example of that is Dak in Dallas taking over for Romo. I mean, Romo's not Brady, but it can it can work. It can happen. I just don't know if it will. Right. Where do you want James Washington to go? Uh, Dallas would be pretty fun. <laughs> Take over for Dez. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the places that he's likely to go. I think a, a really good spot for him actually would be Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Uh, they Tyreek. don't really have a they don't yeah Tyreek on one side they don't really have a I guess Tyreek's the closest thing they have to a number one receiver I know they have Kelsey the tight end but uh, that'd be interesting yeah I just noticed uh, uh, I'm blocked by the guy that came after you about Patrick Reed <laughs> did you see my tweet to this guy yeah He's coming you after should, you well you should explain to to people how it went down. Well, you, you posted a column about Patrick Reed and how his career is right there. It's this, basically had the same career as Jason Day up until this point. And some guy came with came at you with stats about missed cuts and top 200s and said, he said, uh, golf, the media overrates winning too much. And I said, you, you know who else overrates winning? Professional golfers. Like that, that's why they play. They play to win. <laughs> And yeah. I apparently he apparently he couldn't handle it and block me. That's pretty funny. Yeah, totally. I, I I'm I'm fascinated by Patrick Reed by the whole thing. Um, yeah, summer summer of golf is going to be fun. Hopefully, maybe maybe Ricky can get major number one this year. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, Carson, uh, have a good weekend, and uh, we will reconvene next week. Yeah, I'll I'll meet you at the Carson Creek Clubhouse soon. <laughs> Do a pod up there with Mike Holder. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> okay, talk to you later. See ya.